Welcome to the first episode of Civil Liberties On Demand. Today I'm going to be talking about impeachment, an issue that many of you have probably heard on the news, and we're going to talk about exactly what impeachment is, the process, and also the events that led up to the impeachment proceedings that we've been seeing recently. So stay tuned and enjoy! So oddly enough, my first day at my constitutional civil liberties class was a day of the uh, impeachment trial for Donald Trump. So for this first topic that I want to talk to you all about is impeachment. I feel like we've heard this word a lot over the past year, especially over the last few months coming up to the 2020 presidential election. So what does impeachment actually mean? It's a little bit more complicated than just like kicking someone out of office. So impeachment formally is the removal, the formal process to remove the sitting president to members of the executive branch or judge justice from office. Typically, impeachments of presidents are more highly publicized. There have actually only been three presidents that have been fully impeached, Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton, and course, Donald Trump. So, a little backstory about impeachment before we talk about um, the more modern part of it. So, um, impeachment uh, goes back to the Constitution. Uh, The Constitution gives the House of Representatives the sole power to impeach. So, whenever, um, let's see, a House member wants to impeach a judge, justice, or president, um, they will bring it to the House, there will be a, um, a majority vote, and if that majority vote happens, then it proceeds to the Senate, in which there will be a Senate trial, and in the Senate you need a supermajority of two-thirds vote to fully impeach. So basically, the House of Res- Representatives impeaches while the Senate holds the trial for impeachment. So, Donald Trump is very unique when we talk about impeachment in general because he has been tried for impeachment twice, which has never actually happened in American history. So what happened the first time? So the first time was earlier in his presidency. Um, There was allegations of abuse of power. So the House of Representatives voted on whether to impeach him And they had the majority, so the majority of the people in the House um, voted to impeach. So then it went to the Senate. Now, at that time, the Senate was controlled by Republicans. So everyone pretty much knew that it was not going to happen, that Donald Trump was not going to actually be impeached. So Donald Trump was impeached a second time Um, closer to the um, 2020 presidential election and towards um, eventually President Biden's um, inauguration. So what happened then? Why was there talks about impeachment for a second time among um, Democrats and even some Republicans? Well, the main event that kind of inspired this impeachment process 
was the riot that occurred in the Capitol during one of um, former President Trump's rallies. So we're going to talk a little bit about what happened exactly in the Capitol because it was honestly just a very tragic event and it caused you know, many people to be angry and upset with the president. But why, was, why were people upset? What happened? Did President Trump cause this riot? Did he insinuate in some way that he wanted this to happen? So we're just going to go kind of like timeline-esque format to see exactly what transcribed that day. So to start off, Donald Trump had a rally. He called it the Save America Rally. Now, I called it Save America because prior to this second impeachment process, there were allegations against voter fraud. So the 2020 presidential election, as you guys may well know, was very it was a very highly contested election. Um, many Republicans, and especially Donald Trump himself, claimed that there was fraud, that people were writing in ballots in favor of Joe Biden. Um, there were many witnesses that came forward that alleged they saw these uh, these frauds occur. However, eventually, many recounts were done, as we all know in Georgia, just recounts and recounts. No fraud was detected. The, um, the winner of each state was declared. Um, some declared more than once. It was a very close race, though. He was entitled to his recount, but um, eventually all the states confirmed um, their candidate, and eventually it was confirmed that Joe Biden um, did win. So that's why he had the Save America rally. That day was going to be the recount of the electoral votes. This was kind of Donald Trump's last effort to win back the presidency. So he so Trump begins uh, to say his speech at about 11.50 a.m. And he talks for well over an hour. We all know... Um, at least we've seen clips of his rallies, that he tends to talk for a very long time, very passionate. Um, he knows how to work a crowd, all the things. So he begins his speech at 11.50 and talking about um, his community, how we have to save America, how we can't stand for the fraud, um, things like that. And he kind of creates this like sense of collective community among Trump followers. In sociology, we would we would say that Trump invokes this ideology that generates these kind of positive emotions that kind of effervesce and are almost almost contagious. That's why his rallies get so so passionate and so emotional. But anyway, in his speech, he's talking um, to the crowd with kind of moving and almost revolutionary-like words. Um, whether you think it's good or bad, he does use that kind of like revolutionary like terminology. So the rally is being held, as I said, at the same time that the House of Representatives is counting the electoral college votes because of the multiple allegations of fraud. So this is going to be the last effort of Donald Trump to 
say, yes, there was fraud and I deserve to have this presidency. So whether this fraud actually happened, it's very hard to tell. The races were very close in pretty much all of the states, especially battleground states. I mean, Biden won by either a percentage or two. Um, there were people that suggested that they had witnessed and testified that they had witnessed this fraud occurring. Now, whether how truthful are these witnesses, you know, is are Trump's followers so loyal to him that they would be willing to lie and commit perjury in order to gain the presidency, you know? So it's difficult to know whether whether or not any fraud actually occurred, but the official, the formal verdict is that no fraud occurred and that Joe Biden did win the presidency legally. So in these, um, in his speech, as I said, he's using, you know, these revolutionary like words such as you'll never take back our country with weakness, but that's not necessarily the phrase that's in question. So the issue that many Democrats had was that his speech at the Capitol instigated the riot that followed. And this is the statement in question. The statement says, we fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. So we are going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue. And we are going to the Capitol. So this is the phrase that many people say instigated um, many Trump supporters to go down to the riot, climb the wall, and enter into the Capitol. Now, trying to say whether someone's words instigated action is actually very difficult because, you know, everyone has freedom of speech, but in order for speech to be considered um, slander or libel, it must elicit imminent lawless action. So that's the issue here. Did Trump's words, did these statements cause others to commit lawless actions. So after um, he said these words um, at about 150, um, that's when he, you know, said that we have to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. At about 211, rioters started scaling the walls to enter the Capitol. So there's not a whole lot of time that happens between when he says we have to go down to the Capitol and to when the rioters start scaling the wall. So that could, in, that could mean that these rioters were at the rally, heard these words, and were inspired to collectively go down to the Capitol and kind of protest this apparent fraud that was happening. But like I said, it is very difficult to prove someone's words were meant to elicit lawless action. So eventually, Trump sees this in about 238 he tweets that we should support law enforcement and stay peaceful. So even Donald Trump was very wary of the rioters and kind of trying to promote peace, not violence. And again, at 3.13, Trump tweets to stay peaceful in response to um, rioters entering the chambers and, and, and the government employees having to be escorted out quickly um, because they didn't know whether these 
riders were going to um, target them or become violent. So one of the most popular images um, during this riot was of Richard Barnett. He was sitting with his feet propped up at Nancy Pelosi's office assistance desk. So this image was all over the news and it was just kind of almost devastating because, you know, there's such disrespect whether you, whether you like Nancy Pelosi or not, you know, there's a certain level of respect that needs to be, um, given. So this is, um, unfortunately a rally that, a riot that resulted in casualties. So one casualty was a woman was actually shot in the neck inside the Capitol. She was an Air Force veteran, a very strong supporter of former President Trump. And she was also part of the people start, who started scaling the wall. So law enforcement you know, told her to step back multiple times, but she didn't. So she was shot trying to get um, into um, a window. Very, very tragic event. Should never have happened. Um, and unfortunately, the total number of casualties was five, with at least um, 68 people arrested as well. So all in all, this was a very um, tragic event. Um, too many people were injured. Too many people died. Um, and this is why that second impeachment process went through, because they were considering this event and whether Donald Trump was the cause of the riot. Kind of interesting about this riot is that, you know, while this is all going on, Trump is tweeting, keep the peace, stay peaceful, support law enforcement, trying to kind of mitigate these rioters who are continuing to push forward with this passion and tenacity that that increases eventually into violence. Um, but interestingly enough, Twitter actually did ban some of his tweets during the riots, um, which kind of leads to another issue of censorship. Um, I know that eventually at one point Trump was banned on almost any social media platform. And even during his presidency, there was a lot of critique and he didn't have the greatest relationship with the media. And so this is also kind of another Another issue, are we getting the full story or are we only getting certain segments of the story? So a lot happened in this Capitol um, riot event. And that's why, like I said, a second impeachment trial was um, processed because many Democrats felt like he instigated the violence. If he hadn't said those words, this event would not have happened. Like I said, it's actually really hard to prove that. Um... Because especially since President Trump is a public official, it's hard to prove that something he said instigated a certain action. Um, because where's, where, where do we draw the line for freedom of speech and speech that elicits lawless action? So that's the issue there. And that also brings into question whether Donald Trump should be criminally held responsible for what happened at the Capitol. You know, should be should he be held responsible for the five deaths, for the injured, um, for the damages, um, or were the actions committed by the rioters of their own 
will and they were already going to do it despite his or her actions and interestingly enough as well during the trial um trump's lawyers um created this sort of video of democrat of different democrats um saying the words fight you know fight for your country you know we're gonna get the capital the same kind of revolutionary like words that trump was using so it brings into question well these people are saying basically the same thing that trump did so trump's trump's words should not be held responsible for the riot you know he isn't the cause of the riot So the question about whether former President Donald Trump should have been held criminally liable for his words that perhaps incited these rioters to go to the Capitol and to, um, you know, cause violence and and cause a riot. Um, There is a case, a pretty landmark case called Brandenburg v. Ohio. So in Brandenburg v. Ohio, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, Brandenburg, made a speech at a rally and um, he was arrested for um, saying things like crime and sabotage or a means of producing reform and things like that, kind of also those revolutionary-like words. So he was arrested. However, um, the court held that there was a two-pronged test to evaluate speech acts. So two things had to be present in order for someone to be convicted or arrested of um, inciting lawless action. So the first is speech can be prohibited if it is directed at inciting or producing imminent lawless action. And two, it is likely to incite or produce such action. So I think this case is especially relevant to the Capitol riot because we have to look at this two-pronged test and see, well, are these elements here? So for the first one, is it directed at inciting or producing imminent lawless action? Now, I think this is kind of difficult to prove. Um, Can you prove that Donald Trump said those words in order for people to get riled up and produce imminent lawless action. I think that's difficult to say, especially the tweets that came after the riots, you know, where he was saying, keep the peace, you know, we care about our law enforcement and things like that. It doesn't seem like he intended for this riot to happen. And then there's number two, is it likely to incite or produce such action? Well, we already stated that all other politicians kind of use the word fight for, you know, fight for your country. We are the people. We need to take back, you know, Congress or whatever it may be. These revolutionary like words are very inspiring. They're very moving. And so they're used often. But does that mean that it's going to inspire people to, you know, riot and go to the Capitol? Probably not. So these words aren't likely to incite or produce such action. So that's probably why Donald Trump will not be held criminally responsible for the riot. And moving on to the second impeachment, um, this one was slightly more successful than the first one. So in the first one, you know, Donald Trump was impeached by the House. So he got majority in the House of Representatives and then it moved to the Senate but at that time, Republicans had the Senate, so it moved no further. It did not get the supermajority that it needed. 
However, again, in the second impeachment, it was passed in the House of Representatives, and then it was also moved towards the Senate. Now, what's interesting is that 10 Republicans actually voted to impeach Trump, um, which was significant because in the first one, there was no, there were no Republicans that voted to impeach him. But even with those added Republican votes in the Senate, it reached a majority, but not the supermajority. So again, Trump was acquitted for impeachment. Oh, as we can see, impeachment has been very much prominent in modern day politics with um, having our first ever um, double impeached president. Um, and something that actually happened quite recently or somewhat recently is the call to remove from office Governor Andrew Cuomo. So many of you might already kind of know the story, but the governor of New York has had many um, sexual allegations um, against him from different various women. I think the number is up to seven now or something like that. And even because he is a Democrat, even Democrats, along with Republicans, are asking him to resign because of these allegations. But uh, Governor Cuomo refuses to resign. So that brings about issues of whether he should be impeached or not. And so far, President um, Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris have not commented on these allegations or expressed any sort of opinion um, towards what should happen to Governor Cuomo. Now, is that because they are both Democrats or not? We don't know. But it should be interesting to see how this kind of unfolds, whether, you know, he will resign or whether they will have to formally remove him from his position as governor of New York. Overall, impeachment is kind of an interesting topic and it doesn't happen very often. And it's actually very difficult to impeach somebody, especially if it's like, you know, a president or a justice or something like that. With that thought, I conclude the first episode of Civil Liberties On Demand. Thanks for listening, and if you're interested in hearing more, my next episode will be on the Fourth Amendment, so stay tuned!